This is Jesslyn Etchell, and you're listening to my podcast, Wildish Wise Women, Conversations with Everyday Goddesses. In this series, I interview my favorite women on their topics of passion in an effort to connect us so that we remember that women supporting women is our greatest strength. I want to live in a world where women build each other up instead of tear each other down. And this podcast, in addition to the in-person women's circles I lead, are my offering towards this vision. Thanks so much for listening. Super excited to be speaking with Alex Rodriguez today. Alex is a bilingual yoga teacher, spiritual activist, and daughter of Mexican immigrants from Los Angeles, California. She struggled with lifelong depression and anxiety, and yoga helped her feel at home again in her own skin. Currently, she has the privilege of sharing yoga with diverse communities and teaches in Spanish as an act of language justice. That's her topic for today. We'll be exploring the importance of uh, yoga for everyone and all languages. Welcome, Alex. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. So before we get started, we'll just do a little bit of connection. So you and I will take a few deep breaths together and anyone listening can join us. Go ahead and take an inhale through the nose and exhale out the mouth or nose. Just a couple more like that to create the space. And may each woman who needs the wisdom of this call find her way here. May we speak from the heart and create a wave of peace that radiates out on a global level. May each woman remember her sacred nature and feel the value of her presence in this world. Alex, what is your favorite thing about being a woman? Hmm. I think my favorite part about being a woman is the fact that I don't think with a penis. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think I think about that often. Um, and just um, I just I, I love being a woman. I remember ever since I was a kid, um, I loved putting on heels and putting on dresses. And I remember being a teenager and always wanting to wear my mom's makeup. Um, I don't know. There's just something so magical and beautiful about being a woman. Awesome. I love it. Well, we are going into uncharted territory today for me um, because this podcast is on this concept of language justice, which I'll actually get you to talk about a little bit more in a minute. Um, I just thought that it would be totally remiss if we're talking about yoga in Spanish and we don't do part of this podcast in Spanish. (laughs) Um, so like I said, that's uncharted territory for me because I've never done that before and I'm super excited to have that offering so that when people see this topic or when Alex shares it with her community, the people that she actually serves will get to hear a little bit of her story. So just a heads up for all of our English speaking listeners, which I think is most people that listen because I have never done anything in another language. Um, but Alex, um, puedes hablar sobre la importancia de yoga en español? Sí, pues um, uh, yo, yo, la importancia de yoga es, es tan importante porque pues yo vivo en Los Ángeles y específicamente en Los Ángeles tenemos una población muy, muy grande que habla español 
y pues no tenemos muchos estudios ni maestros que enseñan bilingüe ni más o menos en español. Entonces es muy importante que específicamente en Los Ángeles y ciudades donde hay más poblaciones latinas, es importante que se les ofrecen las clases, obviamente en el lenguaje que, que entiende la gente. Y pues también creo que me puedes oír también en la voz que español no es mi primero lenguaje, entonces yo también le tengo que batallar mucho. Mm. So I have to I, I have to struggle a lot too with it because it's actually not my first language. Yeah, I, I, I actually understood everything you said and I didn't know that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I was actually um I mean I'm I think when I mean I don't I, I vaguely remember when I was a kid I'm I mostly learned um learned Spanish and then I remember just watching through, you know, Sesame Street and things like that and just through school mm -hmm. um you start you start learning you start learning English And, um, you know, it's just, especially in the context of yoga, it's so important that it's obviously offered in the language that, you know, one, people can understand so that they can, you know, obviously follow the cues and go along with the class. But two, it's just so important to offer these languages and people can, and the languages people can understand because, you know, language is just such a it's it's just it off it's such a visceral experience mm, it mm -hmm. you know it, it it connects us to ourselves and to other people on on a number of levels you know we we dream in language we we, we sing in language we we think in language um from 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 the tone of your voice to everything it's it's so visceral it's so powerful um language ties you to your body to the land where you came from you know as soon as I hear Spanish I I think of where my parents are from and and I think of my family so what I find is that in a yoga practice when people are experiencing this class and they're hearing it in their native language it connects them to their self and that's exactly what I'm trying to do as a yoga teacher you know I'm not exactly trying to put your body into a yoga pose what I'm trying to do is create a space where you can explore yourself And it doesn't matter what that pose looks like. I'm cultivating a space where you can explore yourself and dive in deeper. And if I can do that in the language that you feel most comfortable in, then, you know, that's, I've done my job. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What a gift. Uh, so just going into the details of how it came to be, will you talk a little bit about why you decided that this was, because, I mean, it sounds like it's your life's mission and the work that you're doing in the world right now. And, and how did that come to pass? Yeah, um, you know, I, I would have never thought I would have ever been a yoga teacher. I would have never seen myself following this path. I took my first yoga class when I was 18 in college. And back then, we didn't really have the internet as much. And there weren't really studios around. I went to Cal State San Bernardino. Um, so uh, when I moved to L.A. after college was when I started kind of becoming more immersed in this You know, there's this whole there was this whole yoga world out there that I, I didn't know about. You know, there's like, you know, like magazines and, you know, there's all this stuff out there. So it just it fascinated me. And I started, you know, going to all these, you know, yoga studios. I started going to Brian Cast out in Santa Monica. And yeah, I was going to say, for those of you that don't know, yoga in L.A. is pretty epic. I mean, there's a lot of offerings there. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think we're pretty lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, any, anywhere here on the West Coast, we have such easy access to some of, to really some of the most wonderful teachers. It's so true. Um, yeah, Alex and I met at the Off the Mat Into the World Intensive that we took in, um, well, it's kind of near Santa Cruz. But yeah, you're right. West Coast has a lot um, all up and down. Lots of, lots of great things happening. Yeah, yeah, that was that was an awesome intensive we met at. Yeah, I just I, I started getting really into the practice. And then a few years into it, I started going to Runyon Canyon Yoga, which it's the longest running donation based yoga in Hollywood. And um, that's where I met my teacher, Daniel Overberger, that I've been going to for forever. And I was in his park class one day and um, you know, it's in the middle of Hollywood, so they get a lot of visitors from out of town. And there was someone there that spoke Spanish, and um, he just she wasn't following, and he just couldn't. He didn't speak any Spanish, so he wasn't able to to translate to her. And you know, he just looks at me and he's like, "Hey!" And I just <laughs> I just kind of I just jumped in and I started translating for him. And um, you know, that's when it occurred to him, and it occurred to me too. You know, hey, no one's really doing this. Um, we're in Los Angeles where a good 50% of the population is Latino and is Spanish speaking. And, um, I went home and I Googled, um, bilingual Spanish speaking yoga teachers in LA. This was about three or four years ago. And I found about three, Mm. I I found about three and none of them were at studios. There weren't any studios at the time. So I just thought, you know, this is, this is something that I need to do. You know, not only do I love the practice, but no one else is doing it. So I just, I jumped into yoga teacher training after that. And, um, just really funny. I realized at the beginning, I really don't like teaching. So that was, it was, really, <laughs> it was it's hard, you know, cause mm-hmm. you, I, I, I think everyone feels that way during teacher training. Yeah. You know, like, can it, can I do this? Like, really, you expect me to really teach an hour long class, mm-hmm. but, um, and then especially having to do it in Spanish in a language that is actually not my first language was incredibly difficult the first year. Um, but, um, I'd have to say there was really, there was a moment that, um, you know, I was, I, I did my teacher training at, um, Kerpalu. I don't know if you're familiar with Kerpalu. Um, mm-hmm. it's, on the East coast, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's out, it's out in the woods in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was actually, um, in the middle of my teacher training when the, um, 2017 election results came up last year. Oh my, I bet that was emotional for, for you. I don't know about everybody else, but there, there was a really weird vibe in, in the whole, definitely everyone felt it. Mm -hmm. And, um, for that teacher training, I had actually, I had actually hit like turned in my phone. So I didn't have my cell phone. I didn't have, I wanted to be really immersed in the experience and really, um, you know, in, in the training. Mm-hmm. Um, cause our training was also completely in Spanish. Oh, that was actually going to be a question. Thanks for clarifying. I, I didn't know if you took, I didn't know they had Spanish teacher training. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I can, I'll tell you a little bit more. about. Yeah. That I can add second. a link or something if you have a resource for people. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I didn't have any access to my social media. So I remember I, I, I left my dorm and I ran down over to Kerpalu actually has a computer lab and there was no one in there. Mm-hmm. I go on and I check the Internet and I, I saw the election results and I sat in the computer lab and I cried and I cried and I was 
I was so upset that 45 had actually won that this had actually happened. And that was on the same day that I was scheduled to do my, like my teacher training teaching final. Oh, wow. So I just, I had this moment where I was trying to teach the class and it just occurred to me, you know, 45 just got elected to office and I'm here at Kripalu. It's one of the biggest yoga centers, arguably in the United States and the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm here doing a training in Spanish. How powerful is that? Wow. Like it gives me chills now just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're coming into a time where because of this person that's been elected into office, it's now becoming okay to weaponize language. So just, mm-hmm. you know, the, the fact that we can now be out in public and I could possibly be the victim of an attack for speaking a different language out in public just because I'm out and about. I've got to teach in Spanish. I have to make this available to people if I can, and I've got to do it in public spaces. So that's why I say Mm. that teaching in Spanish, teaching in another language, out in public, out in spaces, it's an act of social justice and it's an act of language justice. Um, I actually just got wrapped up um, teaching a class this morning um, here at LA State Historic Park. I actually came in to sub for a friend Um, but this class is actually specifically a bilingual class and, um, it's state funded and it's specifically state funded because they want to serve the local community and they really want to have more Spanish people, Spanish speaking people practicing this. So, um, that, yeah, it's, it's so awesome. And it just, I'm, I'm so lucky to be able to do this and to be able to share it. Yeah, Alex, can you talk a little bit more about that term, language justice, and and what it means to you, and um, what else it might include beyond speaking a, a different language in public spaces and offering it as you know in yoga? Yeah, definitely. So um, basically, uh, what language justice is is. Um, So let's see, when we refer to language justice, we basically mean the right that everyone has to communicate in the language that they feel most comfortable in. Mm -hmm. So in an ideal world, it would be a world where there are multiple languages operating simultaneously at all levels of society. So that's anything from ordering your coffee at a Starbucks to a city council meeting to the doctor's office to wherever. It's where the social structures are not... Um, based on the dominance of one um, language over over the other. And then, um, so in an effort to cultivate spaces of language justice, you know, it falls on the participants. It's everyone's responsibility to cultivate that space where really no one language is, is dominant. So um, it's, you know, where English is not necessarily the dominant language, you know, just because it's what's predominantly spoken. And, you know, on, on the topic of language justice, I also have to say that um, you know, I'm, I happen to be located here in, in LA. I know you're in San Diego mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the, in, in language justice, a lot of people like to point out and they like to say that, you know, it's an act of justice because, um, the land I'm standing on was Mexico until 1848 huh. and, right. and it was, and it was, it was lost in the Mexican American war and it was ceded over to the United States. However, Prior to that, prior to the Spanish coming and taking this land, the original people who inhabited this land were the Tongva. So this is actually Tongva land. Um, 
they have been wiped out due to forced relocation and um, due to diseases brought here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, 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 the descendants who are now survivors of that tribe, they're now known as the San Gabrielino Band of Mission Indians. Oh, um, so I just, I, 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 just, I just state that because I think it's really important to, to honor them in this land that we're on because their language was stolen from them. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, um, there, it, some versions of it are spoken today, um, but not so much anymore. So obviously after that language was wiped out, then Spanish took over mm-hmm. um, because this land used to be Mexico. So then this language was taken from us and then now it's been, in a sense, replaced with English. So for me, using Spanish, using it openly in public spaces and cultivating spaces that are bilingual, especially here, it's just, it pays honor to that. And I think it's really important. And, um, you know, in how that relates to yoga, you know, I wish I could tell you that if you were to Google yoga studios in Chinatown, I wish I could tell you that you're going to find a studio that's going to offer classes in Chinese, but they don't. Mm. Um, I live in a suburb of Los Angeles called Glendale. Glendale is a very heavy populated Armenian city. And to my knowledge, there are not any classes being offered in Armenian. So, you know, um, we just, my approach is without judging, without pointing fingers. We just start, you know, it's good for us as a community to just start to look at why that is, mm-hmm. why, why it is that these classes are not being offered in the languages that are best serving these populations. You know, Echo Park, Silver Lake, um, Eagle Rock, these are also heavy, heavy populated Latino areas. And the yoga studios there are not offering classes in Spanish, um, not even bilingually, which is just economically, it doesn't make sense to me because it's 50% of the population. So you, you're, you know, that that's money that you're leaving out on the table mm-hmm. from, from, from an economic sense, but, you know, from, from a yogic sense, from a spiritual standpoint, these studios, um, they should be servicing their local populations and the people that are coming into the studio should reflect the local community as well. Um, and if they don't, then, you know, unfortunately we're also starting to see that maybe yoga studios can be seen as, or used as tools of gentrification, because if you have a corporate yoga studio, or if you've got a yoga studio that's owned by a famous yoga teacher, which I won't name them, but I can name a handful of very famous yoga teachers and studios in the LA area who do have studios in heavy Latino areas mm-hmm. and they're not servicing the local community. And that's a shame. Yeah, these are the difficult conversations that are starting to be had a little bit more in the yoga community, but I think we have a lot more work to be done and that's who's yeah, who's not who's not coming to the table, who's doesn't have a, a space in the yoga world and unfortunately it is a lot of people. It's predominantly white and very much about um, making money and not always about offering the service to the community at hand. Yeah. And, and those are, they're definitely, um, they're definitely difficult topics. They're hard to talk about Mm -hmm. because you, you, you don't, it's like, how do you approach this topic without offending yet you want to get your point across yet at the still time, at, at the same time, you do want to be included. You know, we, we all want to be included in these spaces and we deserve to be included in these spaces. We all deserve yoga and it should be made accessible to everyone. 
And the idea of language justice is that it's made available in the language that people feel most most comfortable in. And that includes um, it includes all languages. Um, I've, I've recently also started doing um, interpreting work through Antenna LA. And what Antenna LA does is they provide interpreting services to um basically in um, in all social justice settings. So predominantly how I've been involved with them is with the LA Tenants Union. So mm-hmm. at the LA Tenants Union meetings, um, uh, gentrification and lack of affordable housing is a huge deal in LA. So the LA Tenants Union helps to helps to fight against that. So what the interpreters do is, what I think is really interesting is when you go to these meetings is that um, if you're not a bilingual person, so this means whether you speak English or Spanish, so if you were to come in, you would want to go in, pick up a little earpiece, you put it in your ear, and then you have an interpreter who's talking into the mic. So if you are speaking in English, there's an interpreter interpreting in Spanish so everyone else can hear. If someone speaks in Spanish, the interpreter then repeats it in English so everyone can hear. So it's this mm. very interesting thing that's happening where everyone is speaking their preferred language simultaneously and everyone understands each other, but we can't do it without bilingual teachers. We can't do it without interpreters. So, um, on, in addition to, um, just studios offering these classes, we really need more bilingual teachers. We need really need more practitioners of different languages to step up into, and to want to become teachers and we need to support them. Yeah, I would imagine that folks that already speak another language might not feel welcome in some of these communities if it doesn't feel like people like them or people that speak the same language as them are are already in those spaces as part of the community. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really big barrier. Um, I don't know about other cultures, but Latino culture is very family oriented and um very you know i there's another center that i teach at and um those centers are located they're actually pretty far from where i live they're about an hour away but um all the ladies that come to my class they they remind me of my grandma and of my aunts they just Mm. they're they're all they're all so sweet and they just when i'm teaching the class it feels like i'm like i'm hanging out in the living room with my with my aunts because it's just it it has that that feeling of home for me too when i'm speaking in spanish and communicating in that language it feels like home mm. and if it does to you then then obviously it probably has that same impact on the folks that you're teaching as well exactly Ex- exactly so um yeah, we really, so either, it would be wonderful if we could start to see studios accommodate these people, start to advertise in Spanish, offer things in Spanish, you know, make the local community feel welcome. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if not, then hopefully we will begin to see other people in the community step up and, and do their own thing so that we can really make this accessible to everyone. And, and it's, and it's, it's going to start to happen little, little by little, um, yoga and espanol, hopefully it'll begin to, to blow up. And, um, yeah, I hope to see more teacher trainings and I hope to start to see more teachers and more studios pop up. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm just thinking back. I just recently moved back to San Diego, but my husband and I lived for a time in San Jose and I taught at a donation based yoga studio, which is just an amazing community of people. And we had a gentleman who taught Kundalini in Espanol and his classes were absolutely packed. 
I mean, I know it's a testament to him as an incredible instructor, but I also felt like it was so powerful for them to have that community. And I, I had come to, you know, I'd come to the studio after one of the classes and you could just see that they're all connecting. And I mean, just like yoga should be, it's all about unity and connection, but just, it was so powerful to see Um, Because, I mean, it would just pack the room with people. And I thought, well, gosh, I don't even know what other options they have. You know, they come to this class because it's it's where they can feel comfortable. That's beautiful. That is amazing. I would love for you to talk a little bit specifically about the importance of women being able to access yoga in Spanish. If you've noticed anything in particular, I don't know if most of your students are women or if you have a mix, but um, since this podcast is geared towards women, I just wonder if you could talk a little bit on that for a moment. Yeah. Ooh, this could be an hour long conversation. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, maybe we have a second one. We'll see what unfolds. You know, I'm totally open because it sounds like you've got a, a lot on the topic. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the term machismo before. Oh, I have. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe if you want to define it, if, if the listeners don't know, because I, I, I do, I have heard of it, but I'd love to hear your take on it before you, oh, you go yeah, into sure. it. Yeah. Um, so, so, so basically machismo, it's, it's, it's a, it's a term that's referring to Latin men or a Latin man that is very, um, this very like, manly like tough like he's the tough provider um he's the disciplinarian um doesn't cry doesn't show emotions and is like mm-hmm. and is like and is like the tough guy um in some ways can also maybe be associated as like being like a cheater or like a, a it's 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 not it's not a great term to, not a lot of respect for women involved in that, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's 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 basically someone who um, treats or looks at. It's basically the idea that women are subordinate to men, and that mm-hmm. men and that the man is like the the king of his castle in a sense. I guess you could say that. That that's I kind of feel like is. it's just Latino patriarchy. Is that? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Accurate. Yes. <laughs> that is so accurate to a T it's Latino patriarchy but let's maybe like times five okay all right fair enough it's 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 so out of hand um so with machismo there's a lot of um you know just not expressing your emotions very tough and very manly and I feel like that has that kind of permeates and affects um, women in the culture as well, because I know in my family and in a, in, a, in a lot of other Latino families as well, the family dynamic tends to be that we don't talk about our feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, when something goes wrong, we kind of brush it under the rug or we pretend it didn't happen or we just don't talk about it. So um, we end up having a lot of stuff down emotions, a lot of stress, a lot of depression, anxiety, a lot of those things. And mm-hmm. And I remember being a kid and um, I would get pissed off because we would have family dinners and my uncles sit around the table and it's my aunts and it's my moms who are cooking and the men eat first. They get served first and then the women eat. And I remember once I was like nine or ten and I remember I said something like, oh, I'm never going to learn how to cook. I was very defiant as a child. Always have been. But um mm-hmm. And I remember my uncle saying to me, well, if you don't learn how to cook, no one's ever going to want to marry you. 
Wow. And I, I remember I flipped out and I remember my mom being, you know, like telling me like not to like suppress your emotions. Don't talk. Wow. And yeah. I feel like and I feel like that's something that we've been taught to do as women or, or I have or it's what I've seen is to not express our emotion, to not talk when we're feeling something. If something mm-hmm. is going wrong, you don't say anything for fear of being hit, for fear of being hurt. Right. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, that's widespread. I mean, even outside of the Latino culture, it's a theme that comes across in the podcast often. So I think you're, yeah, you're definitely right about that. Yeah, and I, I can't speak for other cultures, but it's definitely very common. Like, I I have a lot of memories of seeing a very close family members being hit by their spouses, and they're still together to this day. So mm. um, it's it's just this very, you know, very tight family units, but very at the same time they can be very dysfunctional tight family units and um yeah it's just uh, a lot of blocked throat chakra issues where um people are just not they just don't communicate and they don't express and I see this a lot in my classes too where even when we're doing um breathing exercises or I'm trying to get them to chant and to ohm mm. it's 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 a little harder to get people to be a little bit more vocal yeah, so for you being able to offer it to the community of, of women, Spanish speakers is huge because maybe just little by little you can chip away at some of the stuff that they're holding on to. Yeah, it's it's incredibly healing for them. Um, also because a lot of these people, they, you know, we, we also have the added element of, of immigration and there's that additional added trauma on top of that. Some of these te- classes that I teach at, there's some people who don't speak any English at all. You know, wow. they might be yeah. they might be on they might be on social security. They might be here undocumented. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't I don't know what their stories are, but I mean I can tell you, um, my father came into the United States as as a migrant, and I don't know his full story because he doesn't talk about it. And there's a lot of trauma there he went through a lot coming into this country and it's very similar for a lot of other people in the populations that I serve um my parents have a housekeeper who she hasn't seen her son in Mexico in over 15 years so I can't imagine what that would be like living a life where I came into another country you know I'm here undocumented I don't know what's going to happen I haven't seen my kids there's it's just there's a million situations that these people are going through and they need yoga. It's healing. Everyone needs it. And I just, uh, I love it. And I feel so blessed and so lucky to offer it. It, it, it gives me chills. I love it. They make mm-hmm. me so happy. I'm so happy to see them come every week and just see them progress and light up. It's the most beautiful thing. Yeah. It's really wonderful that they get, um, like you say, they might be carrying layers of all of these different things that you don't even know in terms of what their story and what they've been through, but maybe even just for that hour on the mat, they can let go and soften just a little bit. Which is specifically why, which is why it's so important that it's offered in Spanish. Yeah. That's why they, that's why they need it in Spanish. It's, it's what's going to make them, it's already an uncomfortable space as it is. Yoga is already, asana is already so uncomfortable as it is. Yeah, for for many people. I mean, gosh, can you think like the first yoga class you took and you're like, what are they asking me to do? (laughs) What is that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we all have had that moment at one time. 
I, I remember, I, I remember I, cause like I said, I took my first yoga class in, in college and I remember sitting in my dorm and just trying to touch my toes and I couldn't do it. <laughs> I was like, Oh, one day I'm going to do it. One day I'm going to touch my toes. And now I'm here, you know, doing backflips. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Well, I would love for you to talk a little bit about any, what's the word I want to use? Any criticism that you're having? Uh, you talked about knowing that you're at risk for perhaps being targeted when you're in these public spaces, but have you had to deal with that? And, and what does that look like for you? (sighs) Well, um, I haven't had to deal with it in terms of teaching a class. Mm -hmm. Um, I, so I, I live out in the LA area, but my parents live in a suburb that's about an hour away. And a few months back, I was outside of a grocery store um, and I was just talking to a friend and his dog and this man walks up to pet the dog and he was wearing a red um, Make America Great Again hat. Didn't mm-hmm. say anything. He just kept petting the dog. And then before he goes into the store out of nowhere, he turns and he looks at me and he goes, I hate Mexicans. The wall is going up. Um, what else did he say? He said, I love Donald Trump and I hate the Muslims. Wow. And Yeah. And, um, I had never experienced anything like that before. I mean, of, of course, like the cutting someone off on the freeway and then, you know, having them yell out stupid Mexican out the window, things like that have happened before, but something just so out of nowhere and just so like, I'm just outside of the grocery store. I'm not even talking to you and I'm, and I'm being attacked this way just for how I look. So this isn't even on, you know, it's, it's not language. It's, it's just the way that I look, but he's basing it on my appearance because obviously I look Mexican. So, um, had I have actually been spoke, had I have been speaking Spanish in that moment, I don't know. But the way I dealt with it that time was to just, honestly, I just cussed him out (laughs) because, um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm coming to a point where, I don't have any tolerance and I don't have any patience for, for white supremacy or for really anything that's going to, to put another person down or degrade them just based on their appearance or based on the language that they're speaking. Um, and when that happened, there was actually another woman with me and she was trying to like calm me down and she's like, no, don't yell at him. And I was trying to get her out of my face because there were a lot of people outside the grocery store. And it was actually very important for me to very loudly call him out as a racist, tell him that. So that was my response to him. I said, you're a racist. Get the F out of my face and you're not welcome here. And I kept saying it several times until he left me and exited my space. Um, I reacted that way out of protection. I didn't feel space. I didn't want him in my space. I felt attacked. And um, it was very important for him to know and also for the people around to know that it's not okay and we're not going to tolerate it. And everyone is welcome in every single space. And that's kind of, that's my way of fighting for that. You know, maybe, um, you know, you know, maybe someone can say you're a yoga teacher, you shouldn't yell. But um, one of my favorite phrases is do no harm, but take no shit. It's a good one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that goes back to you talking about the in the Latino culture that throat chakra being blocked and and not having been given permission to fully express. And so I'm sure there was a lot of healing that happened, maybe not just for you, but maybe even for some people around you or for anyone that's listening to the story right now that you didn't just take it 
and like you know one of your uncles or something i mean not that they would have acted in this manner but like you said they they exercise the control they got to do things first they got to speak and tell you when you were okay to say something or not oh exactly it felt so good it felt so good <laughs> yeah and sometimes uh, sometimes healing is messy and it doesn't have to look perfect and um certainly yoga teachers don't have everything figured out so um, I say if, yes. it, if it felt good and there was some healing in there, then um, it sounds like the guy deserved it. Yeah. I mean, you know, during um, during the off the mat training that we did with Sean Korn, Hala Corey and Suzanne Sterling, who are they are all absolutely amazing. I, I love I love each of them. But I have to say that the the teacher that actually affected me the most and left more of an impression on me was Suzanne. Mm-hmm. Um because of everything that I learned from her in regards to using your voice and using it to, to liberate yourself and speaking truth to power. And I mean, I even, I even notice it physically in my body. Like my neck used to never crack. It used to always be super stiff. Now my neck, it like, I swear ever since the training with Suzanne, my neck just feels so much better. Wow, that that's is, so cool. <laughs> that woman is magical. So um, yeah, she she was on the podcast just a couple episodes ago, um, speaking and saying all the magical things. Yeah, she's incredible, and her work yeah. is so needed in this world. Yeah, yeah, and and I, and I and I heard that podcast, and and I love her, and yes, it's 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 so needed, and we just we we need to keep sharing that, and just you know, um, you know, keep encouraging people to keep talking and keep expressing themselves and you know maybe it might be messy and maybe it might not come out okay at first but you know keep keep doing it because that's that's how that's how we get better at it you know I've I've always been um I've I've always been kind of socially awkward and I've always thought of myself as having a hard time expressing myself but um I've really had to deal with that as a yoga teacher. I'm I'm in front of groups of people, not only teaching a class in English, but then doing it in Spanish, which is just twice as hard because you're going back and forth in your brain. But it's really taught me that composure and how to learn how to use my instrument. So, wow, okay. so cool. Yeah. Well, I would love for you to talk just a little bit about what can be done in the yoga world to make it more accessible. And I guess maybe I'm specifically thinking about people that maybe don't have access to a second language. Maybe they don't know a second language. Is there a way that um, they can step up and make yoga more accessible for folks that do? Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, um, it would be really nice to start to see some of the studios in Latino neighborhoods begin to offer the classes in Spanish. So push these classes and advertise them as much as you do your workshops, as much as you do your other teachers and as much as the other offerings. And then in that, make these spaces inclusive. So that might mean that you're going to have to hire someone on staff that is bilingual. That might mean that you have to change your signage. Um, when I did my teacher training at Kripalu, they actually changed most of or all of their signage to bilingual. So the bathroom signage was English and in Spanish. In the kitchen, in the buffet line, the menu was listed in English and in Spanish. How cool is that? It, it was. It was. It was. It was beautiful. It was so beautiful because not only are they offering the language but they're trying to make the space inclusive for us which is what i would love to see all yoga all yoga studios do make the spaces inclusive make them so that they are comfortable for all body sizes and 
all languages to come. Um, and then in that, offer trainings in other languages. So if you have a studio that's in Chinatown, offer a teacher training in Chinese. If you have one in Glendale, which is a primarily Armenian neighborhood, offer teacher trainings in Armenian. And then, you know, we really need to get over this notion that there's not enough, that there aren't enough students and that we have to fight for students and we have to, you know, fight for this money. Because the truth is, not everyone does yoga. There are always going to be more students out there because not everyone does yoga yet. Mm -hmm. I know we live in this world like you and I where we think like, who doesn't do yoga? But you're right. There are so many people that have not yet taken their first yoga class. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of it is also, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're scared. They're, they're, they're timid. They're, they're intimidated by, they're intimidated by a yoga space. I mean, I know that, um, when I first moved to LA and I started going to Runyon Canyon yoga regularly, the first few times I actually didn't, like I walked by to kind of see where the class was and like, I checked it out, but I was too embarrassed to walk onto the field to take the class. And I just kept walking. So mm. Um, that must happen to a lot of people if it, if it happened to me, I'm assuming. And even as a yoga teacher myself, I am sometimes intimidated by the super fancy yoga studios that are almost like a like a spa. I mean, I go into those and I'm like, I don't belong here. Give me like, you know, dirty floors and, <laughs> Absolutely. and you know, like a little bit loved on props. And, uh, you know, I'm not like the ones that are just super fancy. I don't I'm not even attracted to going into. So I imagine that it that's important as well, like how, how inclusive the space feels for everybody. Exactly. And that's also another key part is actually taking yoga out of studio spaces. So uh, yeah, um, super important because the studio space is intimidating. If you're yes. new, like you don't know where to go. You don't know where to put your shoes. You don't know where to put your stuff. Like you don't know what you do before class starts. Like if you're brand new, all those things are a barrier. There's a whole yoga etiquette. Yeah, exactly. In addition to getting these teachers trained in different languages, um, we need, I think we need more training to show these teachers how to be entrepreneurs, how to actually run their own businesses. So I actually, I come from a marketing background and I'm actually also a full-time graphic designer. So branding and logos and business cards, like that's what I do all day long. That's my thing. So it was relatively easy for me to figure out how to brand myself as a yoga teacher and how to start a business. And then that made it easier for me to then reach out to other spaces. So what I started doing was I started teaching yoga in non-traditional spaces. I started teaching at a local park. Um, the space that I teach meditation at now, they're a bilingual space. And I reached out to them and I just said, hey, I want to offer this class. I'm bilingual. And it helped that, um, you know, having a logo and having a nice website and a Facebook and an Instagram, it helps because it gives you that public presence and you want to make yourself look professional, but then obviously conduct yourself as a professional. This is my job and I take it seriously. So when you conduct yourself in that manner, it just, and you take that mindset with you into the park or into, you know, the local community center. So it's finding these spaces where people are and making it easy for them to come to classes. So when I say taking it out of a yoga studio, I mean, you know, if you if you live in Chinatown and if there's a local space that, you know, you can use, approach them. Maybe see if they'd be willing to let you offer 
a, a class there. You know, same thing with if you have a church in a heavy populated um, Latino area, go there and see if you can offer that. Um, there's just, you know, all, all you need is the space and you can offer a yoga class. Yeah, it's true. You don't really need much. Well, obviously, there's a lot of information here. I I definitely feel like we could revisit this, but I do want to wrap it up so that we can get on to some fun questions that I ask at the end. But I do want to just ask if there's anything that we didn't get to, anything that you want to share, including what you're currently working on. I'll make sure to link your your site, but if there's something specific you want to share that you're um, working on right now. Yeah, sure. So um, right now, um, I'm just really working at the local level to try to to try to get these classes taught in Spanish. So um, there's a weekly class being offered at LA State Historic Park. I'm also teaching a class weekly. It's actually just on the roof of my building in Glendale, something small for the community. (laughs) Yeah, like I just any if there's any way that I can offer it to the community, I try to do so. Um, And obviously, in the next few months, I will start to I'm going to start to post um, yoga classes and I'll start to post meditation videos on my YouTube channel, which is just Alex Rodriguez Yoga. And then those will also be those will also be um, posted on my website. And um, I also um, am am partnered with um, Handstand app and then Handstand is partnered with Reebok. So um, there's a lot of really exciting things coming up there in the future. I'll be writing more blogs and more posts. So. Um, there's going to be a lot more coming up on the handstand website and um, there's just going to be tons of more partnerships and events coming up in the future. And just, yeah, I just hope to really the way to really spread this and make it multilingual and make it more accessible to a lot of people also is just making these offerings online. So, right, so um, anyone can get them. Yeah. yeah. So I hope to put more stuff online and I hope other bilingual teachers will will also put things online as well. Wonderful. Well, Alex, um, ¿quieres decir algo más en español? Sí, quiero decir que, que no se asusten, que si oyen de una clase de yoga, vayan, inténtelo. Um, es hermoso, te va a cambiar la vida, te va a cambiar la comunidad. Y es, es la cosa más, es una de las cosas más hermosas que... Que, que tengo en mi vida y, y, y nunca lo voy a dejar, va, va, va a ser por vida y es algo que me, que me conecta a mí, mi, mi espíritu, mi, mi cuerpo, mi mente, es mi felicidad. Qué linda. <laughs> she said it, it'll change your life. It's the most beautiful thing that you have. It connects your mind, body, and spirit. And go, don't be afraid, do it. Yes, just do it. So wonderful. And that's true for all of us. If you're out there, whether you speak English or any other language and you haven't taken a yoga class yet, it really is something to do for yourself and and maybe seek out your community, see what the offerings are. Yeah, it's a game changer for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, Alex, I always ask some, some fun questions, including what's your favorite yoga pose? Oh, my favorite yoga pose is a headstand. Ooh, yeah. I love flipping up into a headstand good change in perspective yes what about a book that changed your life hmm there's so many but um i think when things fall apart is that pema children yeah pema awesome good old pema and do you have a favorite quote um you know, I, I love Ram Dass. Mm-hmm. 
there's so many good rom. He's just the cutest old man. Like he's just so silly and so ridiculous and so mm-hmm. wise. Yeah. Um, one of his one of his favorite quotes is, um, "When you know how to listen, everybody is the guru." Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I also like when he says, "If you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family." Yes. <laughs> yes. That's another good one. <laughs> yes, that is. There is no better place to practice your yoga yeah. than with your family. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and Alex, who inspires you? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, anyone who is in service of humanity, anyone who is in selfless service of humanity. I do. I'm also a big homeless advocate and um a lot of my friends in the homeless advocacy community, they give so much time, so much money, so much energy, and they're never recognized for it. No one knows who they are. They don't even care. They do it because it's so selfless, because they want to help other people. Because, um, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with L.A., but L.A. has a massive, it's a really bad issue with the homeless population. And there are just there are so many angels in this city like it brings me to tears there are so many wonderful people doing other things to help everyone out it's it's awesome yeah well thank you so much alex muchas gracias for everything for all the work that you do in your community for being on and sharing with us today Um, i'll make sure to link all the ways to connect with her including some of the resources she mentioned um yeah just thank you so much muchas gracias a ti gracias okay adios Adios. Bye.